Wendell Wallace here or Wendell's World is Poison Man for this promo, the theme for this promo. Need to make it soulful. Donnie, you got any ideas? What should be the theme when we're talking about this upcoming promo that I'm going to be doing? Well, all right then, man. Let's get it done. Welcome to another Wendell's World in Sports promo and production in conjunction with giving thoughts and opinions about the everyday of sports at this function. To serve a tasty and delicious dish of sports talk like I was Iron Chef Bobby Flay, I slayed contenders and pretenders every moment and every second of the day. My podcast is devastating like the Georgetown Hoyas trio of Jay Heath, Brandon Murray, and Primo Spears, giving the competition tremendous horror and fears while being pleasing and agreeing to the sports talk listeners' ears. Stronger and more dominant than the college football program of Alabama, Today's and amaze the listeners with my sports talk and grammar. This is no gimmick, and to try to mimic in any attempt, I'll put you in the podcasting slammer. A sentence of life without parole will unfold a sad story to be told if you should be so bold and try to mold your show like mine. A crime that would be considered the worst of all time. I'll have to take a strong stand and bold stand like Kyle Shanahan did in putting his faith and reputation into Trey Lance. So if you step to me, it will be your last dance, and I'll play the role of Michael Jordan to save the people from another podcast that's full of lameness and boredom. Special dedication to my classmates from the elementary of Belpre to the middle school of Ephraim Lee to the high school of John Kennedy. My forever love and devotion to the Georgetown Hoyas basketball program in Northwest Washington, D.C. If you don't understand me, maybe you can comprehend and understand from the legend, the Hall of Famer, the one and only Booker T. Wendell's World in Sports, listen, subscribe, download, follow, rate, review, and most importantly, enjoy anywhere, anyway, and anyhow, you listen to your favorite podcast. Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. How you doing? K-Pasa, Shalom, Wassalamu Alaikum, Konnichiwa, Namaste, Bonjour, Bonsoir, Good Morning, Good Abend. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast all over the globe. I thank you so much. If you could do me a favor, please, I would very much appreciate it. If anywhere you are listening to your favorite podcast, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, 
If you could, please download, subscribe, rate, review. Most importantly, when you're listening to my podcast, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. If you could do that, boy, I would uh, very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing so, Wendell's World of Sports, with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. A lot of things to speak about today in the world of sports, mainly Of course, I've always spoke about, look, man, when you talk about my favorite sports, when you speak about my favorite sports league, the NFL and the NBA, the NBA is my Halle Berry, the NBA is my Layla Roshan, the NBA is my Vivica A. Fox back in the day, the NBA is my Monica Bellucci, the NBA is my Selma Hayek, the NBA is the love of my life, the NBA is that sports league. The regular season for the NBA, enjoy it, but you know, we have also have to mix it in with the NFL, which takes a lot of our time. But now, now the NBA playoffs has started. And there's certain months out of the year that, you know, you just dedicate to sports. That you know for a certain amount of time you are going to be locked in on a certain sports league, on a certain sporting event. For football, when you're speaking about September, October, November, December, Saturdays and Sundays is all about college football and the NFL. That's it, man. There's nothing else to be speaking about. As I mentioned before, when you're speaking about Saturdays and Sundays during the fall, do not talk to me. Do not come up to me with some nonsense when the football games are on. Again, on the Saturdays when we're speaking about college football and on Sundays when you're speaking about the NFL. I'm I'm not going to be bothered between 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and and 5 p.m. on Sundays. I'm not going to be bothered throughout the day during the college football season on Saturday. So from, I mentioned before, those months that I just mentioned, those are pretty well tied up for me. Now we come to the NBA playoffs. Now we're speaking about here as we start in early April or mid-April, going all the way toward June. Don't bother me in the evening, especially when we're speaking about the first round. Don't come to me and talk about some nonsense. Don't come to me and talk about, I need to do this, I need to do that. No. No, because I am going to be watching the NBA playoffs. I got my stuff already situated in terms of, look, man, I've got the TNT broadcast. I know that if I'm going to be doing anything in terms of the Pacific Coast 4.30, 4 o'clock game, that I can go ahead and do some things because I know I can watch the replay. So if I need to miss, miss the first quarter of the Eastern Conference first round playoffs, on TNT, I know that's cool because at 10.30 after the Western Conference first round game that's going to be shown on TNT, I can go back and watch the replay. I know now with the Lakers broadcast, I know now with the Clippers broadcast, if I need to watch a replay, I know that it's going to be on uh, Fox Sports. I know it's going to be on the Lakers channel. So I've got myself situated correctly. I got myself to where I can do a few things, but for the most part, I'm going to be concentrating. I am going to be fixated. I'm going to be focusing. I'm going to be locked in and watching these NBA playoffs but I've always said this man you know when you're speaking about what should we talk about what should I be speaking about what's going to be more important I always know that the NFL is king I always know that when you're speaking about the totality of speech uh, at least in this country when you're speaking about what's happening what's going on in the world of sports that it is the NFL in the NFL only I understand in the NBA finals game seven there is no matchup there is no matchup that's probably going to beat out a inner squad scrimmage for these for the New Orleans Saints. I don't care. LeBron, Steph, KD, 
I don't care, man. Giannis, I don't care. There is no superstar in the NBA, despite how popular they are worldwide. I know that they can't hold a candle when it comes to anything regarding the NFL. And I say that only to say this. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about what's going on in the NBA Finals or in the NBA Playoffs. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about the first round. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about the Clippers and the Suns. Yes, I'm going to be speaking about the Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. In fact, the as I'm recording this, I am watching Cleveland and... I'm watching Cleveland and New York play right now. So, yes, I will be getting into the first round of the playoffs and be speaking about what's happening with Memphis, what's happening with Cleveland, what's happening with KD, what's happening with the Suns, what's happening um, with Denver and Minnesota, what's happening with all of these first round series. I will be getting into that most definitely. But first, man... You know what time it is. You know I got to be speaking about some of the news that's coming out of the NFL because no, 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 no. This is not speculation time. We're, we're not going to play the speculation game. No, which means that no, I'm not going to be speaking about Aaron Rodgers. When is he going to go to the New York Jets? Is he going to go to the New York Jets by the time of the draft? Because you know that the Packers are going to want some type of compensation and they might be looking for that first round pick. So something could get done. And Joe Douglas, the GM for the New York Jets and um, Brian Gutekis of the Green Bay Packers, both uh, the general managers, they are very interested in getting something done and they want to get something done. So let's hurry up and try to get something done. But in the meantime, on the Mike Greenberg show and on the Nick Wright show and on the Shannon and the Skip show and on the other shows, we can go on and on and on and go ad nauseum about what does it mean for Aaron Rodgers to go to the New York Jets? What does it mean for the New York Jets to have Aaron Rodgers? What does it mean for the AFC to now have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? What does it mean for the AFC East Division to have Aaron Rodgers? What does it mean for the rest of the conference? Or what does it mean for the rest of the teammates? What does it mean for Aaron Rodgers' legacy? What does it mean? I mean, again and again and over and over and over and then over. We're not going there. We're not discussing that. Lamar Jackson, has he been traded yet? Is there anybody out there that has any sources that say that this team is interested in Lamar Jackson? That team is interested in Lamar Jackson. Is there any other news regarding Lamar Jackson other than he still wants to be traded? Because if there's not, I'm not playing the speculation game. I'm not playing the, hey, where should Lamar Jackson go? What fit with Lamar Jackson? What team would fit Lamar Jackson the best? I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not playing that song. I'm not singing that tune. I'm not acting that role. When we got the NBA playoffs going, no. When we got the Knicks. When we got the Cavs. When we got the Clips. When we got the Suns. When we got the Nuggets. When we got the Bucks. When we got the Heat. When we got all of these teams. I'm not going to go into the. Hey, so um, what do you think? You think Lamar Jackson's going to get his uh, guaranteed money for the 18,000th fucking time? I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. So. I will say this, Jalen Hurts, he got paid, brother man got paid, he got paid a lot of money, we can discuss, because that's something that actually happened, it's not playing in the, hey, should um, Jalen Hurts, should he get paid, how much should he get paid, is he worth it, all this kind of nonsense, no, 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 Jalen Hurts got himself paid, so let's discuss 
Well, a source first told ESPN's Adam Schefter on Monday, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts reached a, an agreement on a five-year, $255 million extension, which includes almost $180 million guaranteed. Man, when Jalen Hurts was a sophomore, or was it was he a sophomore or a junior? Whenever he got benched in the... NCAA, the college football championship game, and Tua Tungavailoa came in and uh, led that comeback against Georgia. There is nobody, there is no way, no how. I don't even think the closest relatives and friends of Jalen Hurts would be saying, yeah, in approximately four or five years from that point that he would be making 255 or he would be signing a $255 million extension, which includes almost $180 million guaranteed. There is nobody. I don't care, man. There is nobody that sat there and said, yeah, I saw that. Um, Hertz deal comes with $179.3 million guaranteed against injury. Of that, $110 million is fully guaranteed at signing. Mm. The injury guarantee is the second highest ever behind Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million contract. The full guarantee at signing is the third highest ever behind uh, Watson, $230 million, and Russell Wilson's $124 million. So Hertz deal is the biggest contract in terms of average annual uh, value in NFL history. Deshaun Watson's $230 million contract signed last uh, year with the Cleveland Browns, which is fully guaranteed, is still the biggest in terms of guaranteed money, which is what... Um, Lamar Jackson, I guess, is shooting for somewhere around there. Hertz extension includes a no-trade clause, a first in the Eagle history. Hertz salary cap number for the next four seasons is $6.15 million in 2023, $13.56 million in 2024, $21.77 million in 2025, and $31.77 million in 2026. Did he earn it? You're damn right he earned it last season for Philadelphia. Threw for over 3,700 yards, 22 touchdowns to only six interceptions. Ran for 760 yards, 13 touchdowns. Was far and away the most unbelievable story. I'll say it before and I'll say it again. The way Jalen Hurts performed last season, again, he needs to tell us where exactly in Mississippi did he go to the crossroads, the same place where Robert Johnson uh, went to? And exactly when Jalen Rose, Rose gave his soul to the devil to be the football player that he was, did he ask him, hey, exactly where is Robert Johnson buried, by the way? Because um, they're still trying to find out where he is. And have you ever given him his soul back? The crossroads down there in Mississippi, man. That's where Jalen Hurst must have gone. Um, not to play the blues, not to become the greatest blues singer, one of the greatest musicians of the 20th century like Robert Johnson, but to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. The leap that he made from a guy who was brought in only to be Carson Wentz's backup. There was no plan whatsoever, even though... Even though Jalen Hurst was selected in the second round that year and people were speaking about, well, if Philadelphia is so, or, or is, is so gung-ho and so cocksure that Carson Wentz is going to be the man. And this was still in a time when there was still discussion that uh, Carson Wentz not only could be a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he wasn't too many years away removed from being one of the guys who many people thought by this time, 
by the 2022 season or by the 20 upcoming 2023 season, that Carson Wentz would be the guy that would be in the same position that Jalen Hurts would be in, which is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Jalen Hurts was just bought in to say, well, look, just in case Wentz gets injured, we can have ourselves a capable backup. And that's what the thought plan was when Jalen Hurts was drafted. And now look at him and now look at Carson Wentz. Wow. 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 How the day turns, how the day and the night and everything else turns. So yeah, he definitely earned it. And a lot of that, when you're speaking about Hurts and the money that he's getting, and you speak about, well, is he worth it? Is he worth it? And a lot of times when you speak about, well, a lot of times when you want to define, is he worth it? We're speaking about just what he does on the field and what he does on the field only. And, and absolutely, man, number one, you have to be able to perform. You know, I, I don't care what kind of a human being that you are. As long as you're not out there committing violent felonies, as long as you're not out there trying to treat women like R. Kelly, as long as you're just being a substandard human being, as long as you can perform, as shown by Deshaun Watson getting a fully guaranteed $230 million contract, as long as you're not flying planes into buildings, and as long as you're not spreading viruses that's going to shut down the world, then pretty much in the NFL, if you can, uh, if you can be a factor to winning, you can go ahead and you can overcome all of that stuff. And we've seen that countless, countless many times, not just in the NFL, but really in life. Um, so if, if, if you take a look at 2016 and you take a look at the, uh, the bitch that was in the White House for four years, um, the fact that he was a reprehensible antichrist of a human being, but people were stupid enough to think that that's really no big deal. If he can help me out a little bit, we'll overlook the fact that he's a racist and a misogynist and a piece of shit and a horrible human being and a scumbag and, um, uh, this generation Hitler. We can overlook all of that if he can help make my life just a little bit better. So this is not just pertaining to sports when we speak about, hey man, you could be a rotten human being, you could be the most reprehensible human being there is, but as long as you can make us win, as long as you can get us wins, as long as you can get us to Super Bowls, as long as you can make us winners, we can overlook any of that nonsense. That's the same thing uh, when we're speaking. That's what many people define as, is he worth the contract? Or the contract or someone's value is based on what they do on the field, on the basketball court, on the ice, on the tennis court, in the octagon, in the boxing ring, um, on the Senate floor, on the House floor, in your in your place of business. And of course, production is very, very important. But here's also something I think that Jalen Hurst got paid and got paid handsomely for. The guy is a motherfucker when it comes to you, a human being in terms of, man, th- this guy is almost too good to be true. And when you speak about his character, when you speak about his morals, when you speak about his values, when you speak about his maturity, when you speak about the type of person that he is, that also played into um, the money that he got. And when you have Jalen Hurts' type of leadership and you have his maturity level and you have his uh, moral fiber and you have all the things and all the qualities and all the characteristics and all the intelligence that make him the human being that he is, whether he was playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles or whether he's picking up garbage off the street in your local hometown, the fact is, is that this guy was paid based also on that and probably paid a lot more than he should have been. If, if Jalen Hurts was this type of quarterback or if Jalen Hurts 
had this type of year, and he was a good human being, a, a, a decent, solid human being. I don't think Jalen Hurts would be making an average of $51 million a year. I don't think the way that he got paid would have come the way of Jalen Hurts if he was just a good guy. If he was on the same level in terms of from, from what we see outside looking in, I don't know Patrick Mahomes. I've never talked to Patrick Mahomes. I've never had a conversation with Patrick Mahomes. I've never hung around Patrick Holmes. I really don't know the background of Patrick Holmes. But from what I know of Patrick Holmes in terms of what the media shows of us, along with Josh Allen, along with Joe Burrow, along with Justin Herbert, along with others, it seems that um, Patrick Mahomes seems to be a really well outstanding guy. Like I said, from the little that I know of him, which is next to nothing. If Jalen Hurts was just that guy, Jalen Hurts would still be getting paid based on what he did on the football field. But I don't think he would be making $51 million. I, I, I think that probably, possibly, that he would be in that Dak Prescott range of someone who is making somewhere, say, between... 37 to 42 43 million dollars which is still a boatload of cash man which is still a boatload of money but when you take a look at Jalen Hurts the human being and you see how for real that he is and you see what kind of leader that he is man I think that up the price because it, it must be refreshing if you're the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles or you're the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, or you're the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, or if you're the PR director of the Philadelphia Eagles, and you don't have to worry about Jalen Hurts doing something stupid. You don't have to be worrying about Jalen Hurts getting pulled over for drunk driving. You don't have to be hearing about Jalen Hurts in the news because um, of some type of sexual assault. We don't have to worry about Jalen Hurts in terms of being videoed, uh, you know, disrespecting a child or or, or slapping his girlfriend or uh, spitting on a kid or treating somebody with disrespect or, 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 or doing something that's going to embarrass Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts' family, Jalen Hurts' kinfolks, and the Philadelphia Eagles. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about if we give Jalen Hurts this money, it's all of a sudden he's going to get he's going to get fat and happy, and all of a sudden now he's going to do to the Temptations uh, what he's going to do uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles what David Ruffin did to the Temptations when he got himself a big old head, and he started beating up on Tammy Terrell and started wanting to call himself David Ruffin in the uh, in, in the Temptations. So we don't have to worry about. Um, Jalen Hurts all of a sudden now starting to get that ego or starting to all of a sudden now request that he change in a different locker room and all that other nonsense. For the, from, from what I can understand by this contract that he signed, that all of those things, the Philadelphia Eagles brass is not anticipating. And, and that's huge, man. And that's huge. I mean, there's no Aaron Rodgers diva-like qualities you don't have to worry about um, Jalen Hurts going on some type of uh, podcast or some type of show and be, be uh, throwing people under the bus and all that kind of nonsense and throwing all of these cryptic responses and all this type of nonsense. He's going to treat the media with respect. He's going to treat the fans with respect. He's going to treat the community with respect. And um, and just for 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 uh, for our community, for my community, he's going to be a a, a light 
and be a decent role model. I hate the term role model. I can't stand the term role model when it comes to athletics. These guys are not role models. They're athletes. That's all they do. They do this for a living. Hopefully, the really grounded athletes know that this is what they do. This is not who they are. But in a world like ours, well, then, yeah, Jalen Hurts can be that example to um, young black kids that's like, hey, you know what, man? And just gets kids all over, but especially young black kids who can sit there and be like, hey, man, you know what? I don't have to be a rapper and I don't have to be speaking in broken English and I don't have to be speaking ebonics and keeping it real doesn't mean keeping it stupid. I can be articulate. I can be respectful. I can be intelligent. I can be a cocksure of myself. I can conduct myself in a mature, cool, smooth manner without quote unquote acting like I'm from the hood. I don't need to be I don't need to be Angel Reese to be keeping it real, if you know what I mean. And what Angel Reese is doing from the hood and all that kind of stuff, cool. F- fine. No problem. It just shows that other folks, it just shows that other communities that hey man, you know, when black folks are keeping it real, when black folks are keeping it one hundred, when black folks are acting like black folks, it doesn't mean that all of us have to act like Gabby Reese. It doesn't mean that all of us have to act loud and ignorant. It doesn't mean that all of us have to be speaking broken English. And it doesn't mean that all of us have to be walking around talking the words nigga all the time, every single word. It means that we have the we have the diversity to be different parts to be different types of people just like every other human being just like every other race in this world so Jalen Hurts man that's that's that you know you 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 can have the Angel Reese's that's part of our community no doubt and I'm proud of that to have that Angel Angel Reese type of personality to have that Angel Reese type of confidence to have that Angel Reese type of swag but that doesn't define the hood. That doesn't define the black community because there's just as many Jalen Hurtses out there in terms of the behavior, in terms of how he acts on camera, just as much as there are Gabby uh, uh, Angel Reese's. And one shouldn't define the other in terms of this is how black folks or this is how a certain community acts when they're quote unquote keeping it real. So that's the only thing I want to throw out there. So man, congratulations to uh, Jalen Hurts. Again, a guy who mentioned before, nobody, (laughs) nobody. I don't even know if Jalen Hurts even saw this coming. I think Jalen Hurts would probably be like, yeah, you know, I think I can be a starting quarterback. I I think I can be a pretty good starting quarterback. But to be at this level, to where he was, hard work, determination, and uh, yeah, congratulations to him, man. Make make that money, young man. Make that money. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Hey, so what does this mean now for the next generation of quarterbacks? Um, so we have Patrick Mahomes got paid. Josh Allen got paid. Uh, a few others got paid. What does it mean? Jalen Hurts now got paid. So which one of the, or how many of the franchise quarterbacks are there left that are going to be getting uh, big, fat contracts. Well, we've got Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers and Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, the one that has been in the news the most when speak about, is he going to get paid? Is he going to get paid? Is he going to get paid? Of course, is Lamar Jackson, who, if you don't know, has requested a trade <laughs> from the Baltimore Ravens. Surprise, surprise. So, um... I think with all of these guys, what does this Hurts contract mean for someone like um, a Lamar Jackson, where the the the, the resume is, a, is is more when you think about Jackson compared to 
Jalen Hurts, where Jalen Hurts basically had the breakout year for one year, and you take a look at what Lamar Jackson has done, and you take a look at the responsibilities on the offense that Lamar Jackson has, one might think that, hey man, you know, uh, Lamar should be paid right up there with him. Does this change in terms of, look, if Lamar comes to the conclusion, if Mar- if Lamar reads the tea leaves, or if Mar- Lamar gets the news, that guess what, man, you're, you're not getting a Deshaun Watson contract, a.k.a over $200 million guaranteed. Does he then say, okay, look, man, I don't, I don't need to get that type of money to be happy, but what I do need is to be paid and to be paid well. And if you're going to be giving Jalen Hurts $51 million based basically off of one year of him being an extraordinary human being, well, what does that mean for me? Because I've been holding up the Baltimore Ravens much longer than Jalen Hurts has. Now, Hurts can... Come back and say, well, I'm sorry, I made the Super Bowl. When was the last time you made the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Lamar? And you've, you've had more bites at the apple of being the starting quarterback. And uh, it, my first opportunity, you, you've seen what I can do. Lamar can come back and say, well, yeah, g- give me A.J. Brown and give me your uh, coaching staff and give me your weapons and give me your offensive philosophy. Shit, you're doing me. The way that you're running the ball, the way that the uh, Eagles offense is uh, – is uh formulated that that's that's me <laughs> you know I, I put me put me in that system and let's see if I don't make the Super Bowl uh countless times to put me in that division and such so look for Lamar Jackson again he wants reportedly wants a deal in the neighborhood of 200 million dollars with the majority of it guaranteed again this is a situation where it's like it, it ain't going to happen and it ain't going to happen for a myriad of, of reasons number one he gets injured too much number two um when you're based that much on athleticism and that's what made Lamar Jackson one of the most if if not the most most exciting electrifying player in the NFL the most electrifying player in the NFL um Lamar Jackson look that ain't gonna be Lamar Jackson when he's gonna be 30 years old or he's gonna be 31 years old or 32 years old he's gonna get to a point to where there's gonna be some fundamentals of being a classic pocket quarterback that Lamar Jackson as of this date in his career has not shown that he can do on a consistent basis at a level that's going to make him elite. It's going to be a situation where, okay, when he's no longer to duke and dip and dive and do all those type of things, and he's going to have to perform more in the pocket, is Lamar Jackson going to be worth $200 million guaranteed when we're speaking about that kind of money? So so that's going to be the question. And on top of that, you're also talking about a guy in Lamar Jackson who has the reputation of being injury prone. So you're going to give $200 million to a guy who can't go 17 games, who can't go 16 games, and is 1-3 in the playoffs? Now, are there other reasons for that? Of course. The medical staff for Baltimore is atrocious. The offensive line really didn't do him any favors. The Wide receivers that he has. I know that oh, oh, everybody's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, for Lamar Jackson, I'm sitting there talking about, okay, so you want me to uh, acquiesce and you want me to come back at a price that the Baltimore Ravens want me to be at, even though it's not going to be the price that I want. And the carrot for that is because we signed Odell Beckham Jr., the guy who's had how many ACL injuries? I mean, he's, he's good. He's better than Rashad Bateman. But my go-to guy is still going to be Mark Andrews. But, I mean, you know, um, Odell Beckham Jr. isn't going to turn my fortunes around enough to where all of a sudden the Ravens leap from being a playoff contender to a true Super Bowl contender. 
That's not going to put me up there with the teams like that. That's not going to put me up there with the Cincinnati Bengals, with the Kansas City football team and others. So I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about to where all of a sudden signing Odell Beckham Jr., what does it mean for Lamar Jackson? It doesn't mean anything. It means I still want to get paid, and if I can't get paid with Baltimore, I'll get paid somewhere else. I still want that $200 million. Again, how much of Jalen Hurts getting paid the way that he paid is going to affect Lamar Jackson. We will see. So, you know, when everything comes down to it, I, I don't know exactly what Lamar is going to do. I mean, if he sits out based on principle, he's nuts. I mean, he, he, he's fighting the wrong battle. You know, if he's standing, he's standing the wrong ground. If he's talking about, yeah, I'm going to be the example. I'm going to be the Kurt Flood. I'm going to be the Colin Kaepernick in this. I'm going to sit out because I'm standing on principle because I deserve to have over $200 million of my contract guaranteed of what I did before, despite all of the flaws in my game that say that, hey, you know what? No, I'm not going to be paid. I shouldn't be paid $200 million guaranteed. Should Lamar Jackson be paid top end money? Absolutely. Is Lamar Jackson one of the top 10 quarterbacks top eight quarterbacks in the game? Absolutely. But should he be getting $200 million? Absolutely not. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I seriously doubt that Lamar Jackson is going to um, hold out the entire season based on principle because number one, I don't think that's going to make any suitor all of a sudden, all of a sudden say, hey, let's just go ahead and pay Lamar Jackson over $200 million of that guaranteed when he's missed a year. I, I don't think that's going to be happening. And as I mentioned before, the market for Lamar so far has been dr very dry. So we'll see what happens. Should Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, should he demand a $51 million annual salary? The same thing that Hurts received. You, you could make a great point. And I make a great point that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. And I think, again, I don't know Joe Burrow. I've never spoke to Joe Burrow. I've never hung out with Joe Burrow. I don't know uh, anything about Joe Burrow except what I see from the media. But from what I see from the media, it seems like a really outstanding young guy. He seems like a guy that's going to take on that responsibility to be a leader and be a Super Bowl champion and be one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the league and be one of the top quarterbacks of his generation and be an outstanding human being and representative, not just for the Cincinnati Bengals, but um, for the state of Ohio and for just human beings in general. That's the impression that I get from what I see from what the media for what the media gives me of Joe Burrow. So when you take a look at Jalen Hurts getting paid $51 million, Joe Burrow can sit there and be like, okay, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, he's with the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm with the Cincinnati Bungles. I mean, before Marvin Lewis got there, how pathetic were the Bungles? How pathetic were the Bengals? How bad of an owner is Mike Brown? How much of a skin flint is Mike Brown, the owner? And I've turned what was just a, a team that was relegated to be an inept and incompetent and an embarrassment. I've turned this team into a franchise that should be contending for Super Bowls for the next four or five or six or seven or eight or 10 years. So that right there. And again, I'm an excellent human being. I can go out and I can go out in the community and community and represent. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm turning around a Cincinnati Bengals fan base that for years were filled with nothing but apathy. So when you're speaking about the definition of being paid a lot of money, it's because of what you can bring 
outside of the playing field and what you can bring in terms of quality of a human being to the organization, to the community, to the state, to the city, to everything uh, surrounding the advertising partners, the, uh, the the fan base, that type of thing. Yeah, but Joe Burrow is right up there with Jalen Hurts. But here's the deal. How much does Joe Burrow care about getting paid? And how much does Joe Burrow care about, hey, man, I want to win championships? Because I just mentioned the fact that with Burrow at quarterback, Listen, he should have a chance to um, win Super Bowls for the next four, five, six years. The caveat being, if he can still keep those same receivers and those same skill players with him. Now, Joe Mixon, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to this guy because Joe Mixon himself, once again, has found himself in trouble outside of the playing field. So we don't know what his status is going to be as far as continuing to be an important cog for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. But if Joe Burrow wants to sign that record-breaking contract, if Joe Burrow wants to sign something like a five-year or if he wants to sign like a seven-year, $300 million contract or a seven-year, seven-year, $500-and-something million contract or whatever, if he wants to be paid $55 million a year, $54 million a year, somewhere around there, guess what? He's going to be playing quarterback without two of the best receivers in the game. He's going to be doing it without the best tandem of wide receivers in the game today because if he's going to be making that amount of money, then guess what? Jamar Chase, we can't pay you like you're supposed to be paid. T. Higgins, we can't pay you like you're supposed to be paid. So if Joe Burrow wants to take a little bit of a haircut and maybe instead of saying $51 million, um, according to a, a sport track, uh, Burrow's current calculated market va- market value is six years with an average annual salary of around $48 million. So that would calculate to six years, $290 million. How much is that guaranteed? How much is the signing bonus? That's all for the people who know what they're doing that can work that out. But if I told you, if Joe Burrow, should Joe Burrow, if he was offered that type of contract, six years, $290 million. Again, not knowing how much of that was guaranteed, but let's just say it reached the proportion or in the same ballpark as Jalen Hurts and as much as he's getting paid. Would that be a good go? Would that be something that would be copacetic? Would that be something that would be plausible uh, for Joe Burrow to take? Now, it ain't my money. It ain't my decision. And I find it you know, kind of ridiculous and kind of idiotic and kind of asinine when we start judging these people in terms of, well, he should take this. He should settle for that. Hey, man, it ain't my fucking money. And it ain't my life. If Joe Burrow wants to try to go out there and get $65 million and take $65 million a year, go for it. If he wants to turn down $48, $51, $52 million because he wants to get market value for what he is, and that just means that he's going to be playing quarterback without his two best wide receivers, so be it, man. Doesn't make him a bad guy. Doesn't make him greedy. Doesn't make him any of those things. You know, same thing if he takes $48 million. Take the haircut because he wants to have his his boys, his uh, his his fellows around them to continue uh, what they put together in Cincinnati. Just because he takes market value doesn't make him a bad guy. Doesn't make him a great guy. It just means like for Joe Burrow, cool. What's good for me ain't good for you. What's good for you ain't good for him. So hey man, as long as Joe Burrow, if you're a Cincinnati Bengal fan, as long as Joe Burrow can show up every Sunday and play football, I don't give a fuck what he's making. I'm not the one writing the checks. If I were the one writing the checks, maybe I have a little bit more of a say so. 
But, uh, you know, hey, if you want to play for 48 55 whatever, man, you make your money. You do what you need to do with your money. And uh, once you get that money, if you want to keep all of it, then fine. If you want to uh, be judicious and you want to invest and you want to invest in the community and you want to give to charitable foundations and all this type of stuff, cool. You know, hey, it's your money. So I, I love it when people sit there and talk about, oh, you know, this guy, this, that, and the other, he needs to be making this. And I can't believe he's not giving it back to the community and all this kind of stuff. Why should he give it back to the community? Community didn't even make, didn't make me the football player that I was. I did. Me, me, me. I did. I did. Now, if you want some help, I'll definitely um, help. You know, th- th- don't ask nobody to give me nothing. I'll open up the door for you and you get it yourself. But uh, that's a topic for another for another podcast but yeah so basically when everything is all said and done i think burrow and like i said based on the fact that i know nothing about the guy but if everything from the media of what they portray of him i think he'll take a little bit of uh, less money than hurts to make sure that um jamar chase and t higgins his two important uh receivers will get their fair share and have cincinnati continue with what they're doing gotta look out though for um Got to look out for um, Mike Brown. Cincinnati has been routinely cheap throughout the years. Mike Brown is not one to, shall we say, splurge on players and salaries and stuff and such. So that'll be something to uh, look at. So we talked about Lamar Jackson. We talked about Joe Burrow, which leads us now to Justin Herbert. Probably the last guy until Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or somebody else comes up and wants to get paid. Um, Justin Herbert, there have been reports that Herbert is looking for a deal that will pay him at least $50 million annually. Can understand that. Hey man, you live in, you live in LA. If you're going to be living in LA year round, uh, yeah, you're going to be wanting all the money that you can get because living in LA is expensive. I mean, if you're somewhere where you're going to be working and living half the time in Mississippi, then, you know, that, that, that money can go a little bit longer than if you're living full-time in L.A. I don't know where Justin Herbert makes his off-season residence, but, uh, yeah, if you're living in L.A., yeah, I, I, I want that money. I, I need that 50 mil because cost of living out there is is extremely high. So um, why is he worth the money? Why is he worth the money? I'll tell you. For uh, First quarterback in NFL history, beginning his career with three straight 4,000-yard passing seasons. He plays in Los Angeles. That's a that's a city that runs on star power. And, and here's the other thing. He plays for the Chargers. The Chargers are what? Behind the Lakers, behind the Dodgers, behind the Rams, behind the Kings. I mean, where would you put the Los Angeles Chargers? I mean, what, maybe right up there? I'm, I'm quite sure the LA Galaxy probably has a bigger fan base than the um, LA Chargers. The only thing that the LA Chargers have going for them in terms of I want to go see them play is Justin Herbert. The way that you can build that fan base, the way that you can erase that, this is just um, San Diego's team. This is just the San Diego Chargers playing in LA to, to, to try to erase that stigma from that franchise and to have a new generation of fans to start identifying with the Los Angeles Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers playing in Los Angeles because they want to get paid, not 
Not a situation where they're the L.A. Clippers. Not the situation where they're the Anaheim Angels. Not the situation where the Anaheim, where they're the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Not that situation whatsoever. In terms of, look, the Lakers are the Lakers in the NBA compared to the Clippers in L.A. It doesn't matter how, I, I don't care if the L.A. Clippers win 15 million championships in a row and the Lakers never win five games for the rest of their existence. It will always, 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 always be a Laker town. I don't care what the Dodgers do in terms of we went through, through the Fred McCord years and all that type of stuff, down and out. I, I don't care what the Angels do. I don't care what Shohei Otani does. I don't care what Mike Trout does. I don't care what Anthony Rendon does. Don't care. The Angels will never reach the level of stature and popularity at the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it looks like with the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Chargers, that's going to be the same thing. Basically, the Chargers are always going to be the Rams' biatch. The Rams are always going to be the big brother, and the Los Angeles Chargers are always going to be the little sister. So the only thing that the Chargers have going for them right now is Justin Herbert. So if you're the Chargers, you better spend all you can, and you better do everything that you can to make him the star of the show in every way, shape, or form. Now, with the Chargers, he's done an outstanding job, as I mentioned before, with the statistics that he's put up. So for Justin Herbert, it's like, hey, look, man, I, I might have, when you're speaking about um, the responsibility that I have not only on the field, but then also on the on the off the field, and what I need to do to bring some respect R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Otis Redden, baby. Bef- what I need to do to um, have this franchise gain some respect, man, that's a that's a tall task, what y'all asking me to do. Y'all basically asking me to raise this franchise to levels that uh, people are going to care. That's that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of work for me to do, man. That's a lot of responsibility for you to give me. And how much you gonna give me for doing that? Yeah, now I know I make a pretty penny. He's had some pretty non-funny, but I've seen him on tel- television endorsing some products and such and and you know being in LA you know I'm quite sure what he can do to build his brand is going to be a great you know I mean a young white decent looking kid out there in LA you know I mean you know you got movie stars you got Hollywood you got all those type of things the opportunities are there for him to indulge in making more money off the field and building his brand but what you're asking him to do as far as being that quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers and the responsibility that he's going to have not only for the Chargers on the football field, but also off. Again, in a town like Los Angeles, California. Yeah, I can see what Justin Herbert's like. Yeah, you got to pay me a little bit more than uh, Jalen Hurts. Especially again, with Jalen Hurts, we're basing this off of one year. And again, as much as Jalen Hurts on the football field, on the football field, would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert? Would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow? Would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson so far based on the career? Because if you say Jalen Hurts, you're banking on something that's unforeseen. We don't know if this is going to be Jalen Hurts moving forward. We can take good guesses. The the um, the, the outcome or the, the guesstimation is, is that he is going to improve. But there there is no guarantee. We, we've already seen what Herbert can do. We've already seen what Burrow can do. We've already seen what Jackson can do. So where do you go? Where do you stand? Who do you choose? Who do you pick? Who should be the guy making $51 million or above? Who should be demanding that? 
If you were the owner, who would you be giving it to? Who is deserving of it most? And that's kind of a ridiculous question because no one really deserves that money. You, you, you get how much someone is paying you. So if someone feels that, uh, if an NFL owner feels that um, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or whoever is worth a certain amount of dollars, then guess what? They're worth it. End of discussion. So, yeah, man, the, the, the NFL quarterback situation, Jalen Hurts getting paid. What does it mean moving forward? Interesting stuff. Um, I want to talk about, I want to talk about something that finally went through. Ding dong, the witch is dead. I have been let out of hell. I have been let out of jail. I can celebrate. When I heard the news, yes, I was dancing in the street like Martha and the Vandellas, calling out around the world, are you ready for a brand new beat? Time is, summer's here and the time is right for me to be dancing in the streets. We're dancing in Washington, D.C. We're dancing in Silver Spring, Maryland. We're dancing in Northern Virginia. We're dancing all over the DMV. We are dancing. We are celebrating. We are dancing on the streets like Martha. We're dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie. We're up and down the street doing the kitten play. We're running up and down Georgia Avenue doing the James Brown. We're on Connecticut Avenue right now doing the kitten play. We're, we're, we're right now going across the 14th Street Bridge doing the funky chicken. We're down there in Alexandria. We're doing all kinds of dance moves. We're doing the, the bop, the doo-wop, and everything else. Because the news is fantastic. The news is game-changing. The news for a generation of Washingtonians is just something that we never thought would happen. But finally, ding dong, that bitch is dead. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you can be with us. Get on down, Isaac. Get on down. Isaac Hayes, Memphis, Tennessee. My man was actually on the organ, piano player, when Booker T was in college. And Stack Studio needed someone to uh, replace him. And even when Booker T came back, when Booker T went to the uh, organ, who played the piano, who was one of the greatest songwriters of the 1960s, along with David Porter, the one and only Isaac Hayes, who had the privilege, who had the honor of working in the studio with the greatest of them all, the legend, the American icon, Otis Redding, down there in them days in Memphis, Tennessee, 926 Macklemore Avenue, the great Otis Redding, who had the opportunity to work with him and Steve Cropper, and Booker T, and Al Jackson, and Doug Dunn, and Wayne um, and uh, Wayne Jackson. Who was that guy? It was Isaac Hayes, 
Who had the ability to work with Sam and Dave? It was Isaac Hayes. Who had the ability to work with Carla Thomas? It was Sam and Dave. Who had the ability to work with uh, Al Bell? Or not Al Bell, but uh, uh, William Bell. It was it was um, Isaac Hayes. So, man, you're talking about a lucky human being to be in the same presence of Otis Redding. Damn. Woo, man. I mean, I, heaven can wait, but if I can't, if I get to heaven, man, I cannot wait to meet Otis Redding. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, hey, man, I want to get back to uh, what I was speaking about before, about the, the news, about the glee, about the excitement, about something that I not, I thought would never come. And um, it's not official, official yet, but the reign of error and terror and embarrassment is over. The Snyder era in Washington, D.C., only the Washington Commanders, is over. Dan Snyder, that piece of shit, reaches plenum. I know I never met Daniel Snyder. I don't know Daniel Snyder, but based on what he is and based on what he's done and based on how he's ran the football team and based on the stories, whether they're real, real or not, but based on everything that's been calculated against them, you're right. I shouldn't be making accusations. I shouldn't be making character assertions based on uh, people I don't know. But guess what? You know what? Hitler wasn't. The, I never met Hitler either. Never mind. But Dan Snyder reaches preliminary agreement to sell the Washington Commanders to 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers owner Josh Harris for $6 billion. The Commanders' new ownership group would include Harris, co-founder of Apollo Global Management and team owner of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL's New Jersey Devils, D.C. area billionaire Michael Rails, who co-founded Fortune 500, and NBA Hall of Famer, my man, my man, Magic Johnson. So according to the Washington Post, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and Tillman Fertitta, who owns the NBA's Houston Rockets, were also reportedly interested, though Snyder reportedly prevented Bezos from uh, bid to uh, own the team because he owns the uh, Washington Post and he was saying some mean things about Danny Snyder. So, again, kind of a human being that Daniel Snyder is. So, um, it's over, man. It's over, man. I'm so happy. Oh, man, I'm so happy. What will the legacy be of Daniel Snyder, right? Because it's easy to sit there and we all know what the legacy will be, right? It ain't going to be good. But truly, what is the legacy? I think that uh, when everything is all said and done, He's going to be one of the worst owners, I think he is, one of the worst owners in professional sports teams history in North America among the four major leagues, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the National Hockey League. On the same level, when you speak about Daniel Snyder's stewardship, guidance, ownership of the Washington football team, the professional football team here in Washington, D.C., the DMV, the the um, the uh, the Washington football team, same level of embarrassing, incompetent, dysfunctional, uh, inept, and disgraceful as any owner in sports over, I'll say over the past 50 years, screw it, as an owner of a team and how that franchise represented the community, the team legacy and fan base, because look, we, we, we can sit there and easily take a look at his one loss record and all those type of things and say, yeah, he stunk. But hey, based on that, he wasn't the absolute worst of the worst. But when you take in the totality of what he was as an owner and how he represented, again, not just 
the 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 team in terms of wins and losses. He he wasn't taking some team that didn't have a history. He wasn't taking some team that wasn't one of the pillars of the most successful sports leagues in North America. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. I mean, he 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 took over a franchise that was considered historic. He took a franchise that in this community, in the community that I grew up in, and look, I've had many a podcast where I've been speaking about how it's shameful, how it's terrible, how it's disgusting and all of these things, that a certain generation of Washingtonians, from those from the DMV, from the District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, Northern Virginia, Woodbridge, Anne Arundel, uh, well, Anne Arundel's not in Virginia, but what I'm talking about, when you're speaking about the Washington, D.C. area, and you're speaking about Prince George's County, and you're speaking about Montgomery County, and you're speaking about Northern Virginia, and you're speaking about Woodbridge, and you're speaking about Fairfax, and you're speaking about Tyson's Corner, and you're speaking about Arlington, and you're speaking about Bethesda, and you're speaking about Silver Spring, and you're speaking about Wheaton, and you're speaking about Aspen Hill, and you're speaking about all of these communities that just love and adore the Washington football team, the communities that I grew up in before Washington expanded like it did after I became grown and was gone. The the generation who don't know, the generation who never experienced what we experienced as being fans of that football team was disgraceful. And it wasn't a situation where they were good some of the times. They were a disgrace. They were an embarrassment. They were an eyesore. They were a cancer for every single part of the of the football team, from how they played on the field to how they treated the fans, how they treated the community, how they treated other human beings. Daniel Snyder was a piece of shit. Disgraceful. So when I'm speaking about he's one of the worst owners of any of the four major professional sports league, there's some pretty good stuff. So when I say that, yes, he was on the same level of embarrassment of uh, of of a of a of a Daniel, excuse me, of a uh, Donald Sterling, or of a March Shot, or of a Ted Sipian, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, or Robert Sarver, or George Preston Marshall. He was right there in terms of being just a really horrible scumbag of a human being. I never met George Preston Marshall. I've never met Donald Sterling, thank goodness, because I'd probably punch that old motherfucker right in the face and hopefully smash his jaw. I've never met Marsha, but I sure hope that she's burning in hell where she belongs. I've never met Ron Sarver, but I would love to throw a sink over his ass. But those people, from what I've been gathering and from stories that have been told, they're some really bad human beings. George Preston Marshall was a supporter of racial segregation and was the last NFL owner to integrate African Americans into a roster. And he only did so in 1962 after pressure from the federal government, which threatened to block the use of D.C. Stadium where they owned unless he uh, went ahead and integrated. So he used to say that, well, if they st- when, well, I'll start signing Negroes when the Harlem Globetrotters started signing whites. And that was him as a human being. As an owner, he won two championships in 30 years. And as an owner, he finished under 512 times in his 30-plus years as an owner. So basically what I'm saying is is that if George Preston Marshall was living today and he was still the same George Preston Marshall that we know of, well then, hell, he would probably be the next Republican nominee for, for President of the United States. He could probably go out there with the way he was and he could win Oklahoma. He could win Kansas. He could win Wyoming. He could win Utah. He could win North Carolina. He could, uh, he could win a district in Georgia. He could win... Um, 
he could win the middle part of the country. He could win the Dakotas. He could win Wyoming. Shit. So, I mean, you know, hell. I mean, if George Preston Marshall was living a day, I mean, he'd get Donald Trump and that jackass DeSantis to run for his money as big and as stupid as he, as he was for the Republican Party. Marshot, she was banned from baseball in 1993, then again in 1996 to 1998 for comments supporting Adolf Hitler. Again, she would, she would, she would be a good gubernatorial candidate f- down in Arizona, right? I mean, she could replace Carrie Lake and probably win more votes. Um, he was, she was a noted anti-Semite. She also expressed hatred towards Japanese and African Americans. In her time as an owner. So again, I mean, she would play really well in the South. She would play great in Alabama. She would play awesome in Mississippi. I mean, you're, you're speaking about, man, hell, in, um, in northern Florida. Man, she would be she would be uh, racking up the votes. I mean, hell, did you put her in Ted Cruz or Marjorie Taylor Greene's district? Oh, man, they'd give them a time of their lives. Same with Lauren Bobbitt. Donald Sterling. We all know about Donald Sterling, right? V. Stiviano, right? He heckled his own player at Clipper Games and didn't have a winning season until his 11th year owning the team. NBA Commissioner Adam Sterling, excuse me, yes, Adam Silver, <coughs> excuse me, banned Sterling from the league for life and forced him to sell the team in 2014 after racist comments recorded by his mistress were then leaked to the public. So, I mean, hell, if Donald Sterling was maybe, I don't know, 25 years younger, I mean, hell, he could... He could probably run for some seat in in, in Idaho and in in, uh, in win. So yeah, Daniel Snyder and we all know about Ronald uh, uh, Sarver. So yeah, that's Donald's that's Dan Snyder's legacy right there. Twenty four seasons as owner of the team. Team had a one sixty four two twenty and two record in the uh, regular season. Over a seventeen year stretch, he went through eight coaches. I mean, he has Steve Spurrier, Jim Zorn. Norv Turner, Mike Shanahan, Jay Gruden, Marty Schottenheimer. I mean, he got rid of Marty Schottenheimer to uh, go hire Steve Spurrier. Gave him like a five-year, $35 million contract. He, When Jay Gruden had his staff in D.C., he had, as his assistant coaches on offense, he had Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. And they still couldn't win anything. It's just like, man. So, look, his team has won. Speaking of Snyder's team, won two playoff games, including one his first season as the owner in 1999. Over Next in 2005 was when they won a playoff games and only four times to Washington won the NFC East title, even though it's changed hands every year since 2003. So we're talking about almost a 20-year span. So, yeah, man, and off the field, I mean, and, and again, when, when you speak about the totality of what he was as an owner, hey, look, Ted Sibian was worse. Um, the, the, the Wrigley management that owned the Chicago Cubs, they're pretty bad. So they're, they're, as, as far as one-loss records, if you want to uh, search through the annals of owners owning football teams or basketball teams or baseball teams or, or hockey teams, I'm, I'm quite sure just based on run one-loss records alone, maybe it might be a bit hyperbole when I'm comparing Daniel Snyder as an owner to some of the worst human beings who ever lived but then again you speak about what he did off the field you speak about uh, how he ran his organization starting before the 2000 season for instance Snyder became the first owner to change to a charge for training camp practices 
Now everybody does it, but he was the first. Snyder said that at the time that the $10 a person charge would help improve access to players. Bullshit. October of 2009, the team banned spectators from bringing any signs or banners into FedEx Field, citing security and comfort after an increase in the number of signs critical of Snyder and Vinny Serrano, a front office executive. Washington lifted the ban a month later. Then we moved to May of 2018, Five former cheerleaders told the New York Times that they were sexually harassed and intimidated by the team and sponsors during a trip to Costa Rica for a swimsuit calendar photo shoot. The cheerleaders described being pimped out to the team's male sponsors who were invited to photo shots where they where the cheerleaders were made to pose for photos. Oh, it keeps getting better, y'all. In June of 2020, excuse me, of July of 2020, the Washington Post published an investigation into the mistreatment of the team's female employees, citing 15 former front office workers. The NFL took over the investigation, which concluded that for many years, the workplace environment at the Washington football team, both generally and particularly for women, was highly unprofessional. In July of 2021, the team was penalized $10 million and Snyder agreed to step away from the day-to-day operations of the team. No, 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 no. It keeps getting better. July of 2022. 29-page memo. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform said Snyder directed a shadow investigation to interfere with and undermine the NFL's investigation. Snyder used private investigators to harass and intimidate witnesses in creating a 100-page dossier targeting victims witnesses and journalists who had shared credible public accusations of harassment against the team. No, 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 no. It gets better. We're still going. February of 2023. And ESPN Sports details that federal prosecutors in Virginia are investigating allegations of financial misconduct by Snyder and the Washington commanders stemming from a $55 million loan taken without the knowledge of his partner, Snyder, and the team also faced several other inquiries, including from the Attorney General for the state of Virginia into financial improprieties. Ah, it's just, he's just a horrible human being. Come on now. I mean, all of that rolled into one. No excuse. No excuse. And that has continued in terms of affecting how the games, the fan base, what he's done to the fan base, how he's treated the fan base. And again, has um, turned the city really, there's so much apathy. It's going to take, and look, I don't know what Josh Harris is going to do. I'm not saying that all of a sudden Josh Harris is the elixir to take care of all of the ills that were inflicted by um, that were inflicted by Daniel Snyder, but but it's almost a situation where, look, man, when Joe Biden was hired as the president, or when Joe Biden was elected president of the United States, it was basically, could you please do something to regain our our, our respect back? Because uh, throughout the world, we have lost all respect. We're not respected by anybody, and now other countries look at us as fucking morons for who we elected for the last four years. Of uh, as president, and, and and those countries would be dead on and correct in their assertion that we're uh, we're a bunch of dumb motherfuckers out, out here in this country. So look, we're not asking for you for any Roosevelt or Lincoln type of um, legacy when it comes to the presidency. Just just give us our just give us our respect back if you could do that. And that's what Biden's been doing. Now 
That's the same thing with the owners for uh, the uh, Washington Commanders team. Hey, look, man, I'm not asking as a fan, as a lifelong fan of this team, hey, look, man, I'm not asking Josh Harris, the Magic, and those guys to all of a sudden turn this team into uh, the Kansas City football team. Or I'm not asking this team to all of a sudden start competing for NFL championships in a year or two. Look, man, I, I just want to believe in something. I, I just want someone competent. I just want someone in there who's not going to embarrass us. I, 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 I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I'm so tired of having to represent my Washington commanders and just being the joke because of who our owner is and how bad our, and how dysfunctional our team is as a whole. Our franchise as a whole. I'm, I'm, I'm just tired, man. I'm tired of the looks, the inquisitive, the puzzling looks I get when people ask me, so who's your favorite uh, football team? And I say the Commanders or the Washington football team. They look at me like, really? Are you joking? I mean, is, are, seriously? <laughs> it's like, why? Then I have to explain to them, well, that's from born and raised, man. I mean, there's, there's, there's no other reason why. For the past 20, 25 years, the only reason why you would be a fan of the Washington football team is if you're someone my age, if you're someone from my generation. That's the only reason why. And you're, and you're still hanging on to the good old days. That's the only reason why. There is no anybody under the age of 35 in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area or just in the world in general. There is no reason whatsoever why you would be a fan of the Washington football team. The glimmer, the one time there might have been some hope of this team actually being relevant or actually having a pulse or actually being in the conversation of football teams is when they had that one year with RG3. And then RG3 blew out his knee and that thing went, went down with Shanahan and how Snyder messed that up because he was undermining Shanahan because he was being buddies with uh, RG3, which led to apathy, which led to RG3 becoming uh, a diva and all this type of thing, which ruined, which wrecked the uh, next season when he came back, when he came back too early from an ACL injury, which he suffered in a playoff game against Seattle. All of those things ruined. That was the only time, the only time in Daniel Snyder's existence as an owner. When when Washington had a, 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 a just a pulse, a small pulse of revel, relevancy to anybody watching football, to anybody, to any human being on the planet Earth. Other than that, nothing. Other than that, that has been shame. It's been embarrassment. It's been all those things. So yeah, man, I am glad that piece of shit is out. And it's like, just bring us the first two or three years, the new ownership group, just just bring us respectability, okay? This is probably going to be the last year for Rivera and this group. We'll see what Eric Bieniemy can do as the offensive coordinator. But for the most part, we're going to go in with Sam Howell as the quarterback. So in, 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 the, in the most part, this is going to be a team that's going to be average at best. But man, just, just give us back our dignity. Just give us back our pride for the fan base. Just give us a reason to care. Just give us a reason to hope. Just give us a reason to believe. Not that we're going to go back to the Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs ain't walking through that door. Joe Thiesman ain't walking through that door. Doug Williams ain't walking through that door. Charles Mann ain't walking through that door. John Riggins ain't walking through that door. Dexter Manley, he ain't walking through that door. Daryl Green, he ain't walking through that door. Russ Grimm, not walking through that door. Rick Doc Walker, Mm-mm. not walking through that door. And if they are, they're either they're going to be too old to be doing anything. 
So the, the days of the hogs and the fun bunch and Art Monkey ain't walking through that door. Gary Clark, nope, ain't walking through that door. But that era of Washington football winning championships, 27-17 over the Dolphins at 82, and then blowing out the uh, Broncos 42-10 in the uh, Super Bowl in which Doug Williams had the greatest quarter in NFL history, the first black quarterback to win himself the Super Bowl. Then a few years later, dominating the Buffalo Bills 37-24 with Mark Rippon at the quarterback. I'm not, I'm not asking for that. I'm not wanting for that. Look, man, I'm only going to be on this planet probably in all actuality if I'm getting lucky another, I don't know, what, maybe, what, 25 years tops? So I got probably at the most a quarter century left before I go up to the, uh, hopefully I can go up and get in and to the pearly gates and go watch Otis Redding and Sam Cooke perform and go watch Len Bias and Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain go at it and go watch Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier slug it out and go listen to some uh, go listen to some um, Big L along with some Guru or maybe go ahead and catch a concert with Beethoven and Chopin and maybe go to a jazz concert with Miles Davis and John Coltrane or maybe watch a movie with Humphrey Bogart and Sidney Poitier so you know I'm, I'm, I'm about a I'm about 25 about a quarter of a century away from from that being a realistic from that being a real possibility if not sooner so look man in my in my in my back nine as i start the back nine of my next back nine of my life man just 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 give me something that i can be proud of for this football team huh please something anything please like i said i'm I'm not looking for super bowls i'm just looking for respect baby i'm just looking for respect so yeah that's that's all I want as a uh, Washington football fan. So, <sighs> mm, well, that was good to get off my feet. Because, look, two things have happened from my childhood that has sparked hope, that has sparked, you know, that that's, has sparked passion, that has sparked belief, that makes me get on my knees and say there's, there, there's a chance. Not only has the commanders gotten rid of Daniel Snyder, um, when you speak about the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and you speak about the times that I was growing up, I mean, you had not only the Washington then Redskins playing as far as the football team is concerned, but while the then Washington Bullets were basically nobody after the fat ladies had already sung in 79 when the uh, Bullets lost to the uh, Seattle Supersonics, and then you had to go through years and years and years of uh, Abe Poland owning the basketball team, and it became pretty... The, the Wizards, as far as an NBA franchise, has been pretty irrelevant in D.C. for, I don't know, man, probably for the last, I would say, maybe 30-plus years for the most part. But um, one thing that's sneaky, that's underrated when I was growing up, was how popular or how important college basketball and high school basketball was. When you're speaking about the WCAC, when you're speaking about DeMatha, when you're speaking about St. John's, when you're speaking about great college and high school basketball coaches like Morgan Wooten at DeMatha and Joe Gallagher at St. John's, and then you move to the uh, college level and you had Lefty Drizel over at uh, Maryland, and then you had uh, Gary Williams coaching a little bit over at American, and of course, Big John Thompson over at Georgetown. I mean, there wasn't... There wasn't a figure, maybe else, maybe maybe Joe Gibbs at the time would give him a run for his money. There was nobody more important in the Washington D.C. area as far as sports was concerned than Big John Thompson, and he 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 superseded anything sports wise. So he was bigger than the Baltimore Orioles up in Baltimore because back then we didn't have a major league baseball team. He was he was bigger 
uh, speaking about John Thompson than any coach, professional coach, again, outside of Joe Gibbs. And when you speak about just, just, just figures, and when you're speaking about what he did for my community, no one bigger. I still say that John Thompson, back in his heyday, could have ran for a mayor of New York and I mean, mayor of uh, D.C. and won. Of course, he was going up against Marion Barry, so you put a little cocaine in a hooker in a hotel room, and, uh, you know, for the most part, he would have it uh, sewn up. But, hopefully, but John Thompson was big. Georgetown was big. Hell, my love for playing basketball, my love for basketball stemmed it from Georgetown and Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers. So, um, in a in a matter of weeks, not only did we get rid of Snyder, we also at Georgetown basketball hired Ed Cooley as the head coach, who uh, brings hope that again, just like the football team. Look, man. I'm not asking Georgetown to be an elite college basketball program. I'm not asking Georgetown to win uh, the Big East championships and regular seasons and um, conference championships in the next year or two. I I just want Georgetown to be competent. That's all. I just want something that I can be proud of, win or lose. I I I I just want somebody who knows what the fuck that he's doing. And we got somebody like that in Ed Cooley. Now, what level of success can he have after he rebuilds this thing? Because right now it's a complete dumpster fire, what Patrick Ewing left us. I like some of the foundation that Ed Cooley is being is building when you speak about his transfers, when you speak about um, uh, Drew Felder uh, coming over in the 2023 class, when you got Kelvin Mulvaney, this kid who's going to be a four-star recruit that's coming over in 2024. Cooley... The fact that I see him out there in terms of he was at a Wizards game. He was, he's, he's been on campus. I mean, all of this stuff that Patrick Ewing never even thought about doing gives me hope that, my goodness gracious, we might have ourselves a college basketball coach who can lead us back into prominence. So when I say prominence, a team that is going to be consistently in the top 25. I didn't say top 5. I didn't say top 10. I didn't say top 15 on a regular basis. Just giving up the opportunity to get into the tournament. Just giving up the opportunity to win championships. Just giving us an opportunity to be, to, to be players. Man, that's all I want from Ed Cooley. And it looks like uh, he's on his way to doing that in a few years. So two of the biggest institutions, when you're speaking about my childhood growing up in D.C., the D.C. metropolitan area, Washington football team, now the Commanders and the Georgetown Hoyas, are on the right track. And, uh, you know, we can only hope. We can only pray. We can only dream. We can only do that. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day, right there in Northwest Washington, D.C., in the late stages, in the early stages of April, that the Georgetown Hoyas basketball team, led by Ed Cooley, will be going down M Street, will be going over to the White House as we celebrate winning the 2026 NCAA championship. I have a dream. I have a dream that in the year 2029, as I'm watching the football game, hopefully still living, hopefully having some brain cells still working, that I can watch the Washington Commanders hoist up that Vince Lombardi trophy. I can only dream. I have a dream today. So I'm not worried about any man. I'm not worried about any situation. I'm not worried about any consequence. I'm not worried about any obstacle. My eyes have seen the time when the Georgetown Hoyas and the Washington Commanders are going to win a championship. 
How about that? I mixed in Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" and I've seen the mountaintop all rolled into one, huh? Oh, I guess I was. If, I guess if I was still teaching in uh, Clark County, I guess. Uh, well, if I was teaching this shit in uh, Florida, I guess that I would be fired, right? Because uh, the fucking fascist that the that the governor would be like, oh, you can't do that. Can't mention anything about that because we don't want white people to feel sorry about themselves. All right, man. I tell you, look. The now it's time for me to get into the uh, NBA. The playoffs has started. The uh, playoffs has are here. Which NBA playoffs has started and which teams have lived up to the expectations and which team is in some trouble? As I uh, go ahead and talk about this, Wendell's World and Sports. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. See, uh, right now I am recording this, uh, now the Phoenix Suns game is starting. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm recording this while watching Phoenix after watching the Knicks get uh, obliterated by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Good bounce back game for the Cavs. So I'm watching this game. I'm watching this game and here's what I'm going to do. As soon as I'm finished recording and publishing this, guess what? This game is on TNT. The replay of this game is going to be shown at 10 o'clock. So I'll be able to kick back and be able to uh, watch game two of this exciting series between the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers. Good God, if Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley on, has, has been on so many of these commercials. He's giving Lily and the uh, All-State guy a run for their money as the most annoying personality on television. Even though it's it's absolutely hard to beat Lily. I mean, if I watch her not only with the college basketball tournament, but also <clears throat> during the NBA playoffs. Um, I want to take a brick and throw that throw it through a window. I want to throw it through a television screen in hopes that it hit her. That bitch is so annoying. Good God Almighty. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wall. I don't know if she's a bitch, but I'm just saying. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wall. So glad that you could be with us. Sorry. So um, the playoffs have started in the NBA. So what's the biggest news coming from the first weekend of the playoffs? Again, I'm recording this on a uh, Monday evening. Hey, man, or Tuesday evening, excuse me, I'm, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Hey, man, the Los Angeles Lakers, are we going to uh, Are we going to start the um, celebration parade now? 16-0? Are we going to start doing the fo-fo-fo? Are we going to go Moses on these guys? Um, game one victory over Memphis. What does it mean for the Grizzlies? What does it mean for L.A.? Because I know now, I'm quite sure people are going to be speaking about, hey, man, you know, guess what? Hey, you take a look at what's happening in the first weekend of the NBA playoffs outside of maybe Denver and Boston. Who else looked as impressive as the Lakers? Sure wasn't Milwaukee. We don't know about the status of Giannis. He'll play. But how close to dominant can he be with that sore with that sore tailbone 
Um, we, we, we take a look at, uh, you know, Denver. Yeah, Denver look impressive against Minnesota, who they won by like 200 points. But this was the Minnesota team that just came off the uh, play-in game, even though that excuse couldn't be used for Miami because Miami also came off a play-in game. And they beat Milwaukee. It looked like they were going to beat Milwaukee whether Giannis played or not. They led for basically the entire game. Um, so what is it when you speak about rest or rust? Because with the Minnesota Timberwolves getting blown out, it was, oh, because they ran out of gas, they were tired, they had an emotional series in the play-in, they had to play two games, blah, blah, blah. But that didn't apply to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat had been playing for a playoff spot the entire, uh, for the last couple of uh, weeks and stuff. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks have been coasting, uh, securing the number one spot. So what does all of this mean? Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, the Lakers, man, you take a look again. Um... You know, the, the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, as they continue to uh, beat up on each other, especially Draymond and Sabonis. Uh, you take a look at the um, winner of the Memphis. Do you take a look at the winner of the Memphis LA series being able to uh, being able to play the winner of Sacramento and uh, Golden State? And then you get yourselves into the NBA Conference Finals, the Western Conference Finals. You never know, you never know, you never know. So this is all based off of one game. And the thing that had to be so encouraging with the game against Memphis was the fact that this wasn't LeBron James carrying the team. This wasn't Anthony Davis going out and scoring 38 points and grabbing 23 rebounds and blocking eight shots. This wasn't a one-man show. This was a complete and total team effort on the road against a team in Memphis that had, if not the best record, home record in the NBA, one of them being 35-6. and six. So the Lakers win game one, 128-112, outscoring Memphis by 22 points in the second half, 69-47, won on a 15-0 spread to end the game when basically Memphis realized that they were going to lose and basically they just quit in the last 35-45 to 45 seconds of the game. Three-point shooting for the Lakers, first half, 5-18. for 18. Second half, 11 for 19. And they were backbreakers. And they were, you got to be fucking kidding me. And it was a situation where Rudy fucking Hachimura, really? That was the guy that's going to bury us? Seriously? Austin Reeves burying threes? Really? That's going to be the guy? So just an all-around brilliant performance from, from L.A. Again, Rudy Hachimura. Never, never, never saw this. Wasn't even playing with the Wizards. What the hell? <laughs> Scored a playoff career-high 29 points, including 21 in the second half. He shot 11 for 14 from the field, 5 of 6 from behind the three-point line. LeBron added 21 points and 11 rebounds. Austin Reeves, the guys that will lead them. Rudy Hachimura and Austin Reeves. 23 points, including 9 straight points in the closing minutes. Finished with 14 points in the fourth quarter. Yowzers. Wasn't AD. And it wasn't LeBron. It was Rudy and it was um, and it was uh, Austin Reeves. Anthony Davis had 22 points, 12 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, who, by the way, only scored two points in the Lakers' playing win against Minnesota, he finished with 19 points. Dennis Schroeder hit some important shots. It just seemed like when Memphis was ready to uh, put it into another gear, another gear, uh, it was no, it wasn't LeBron and it wasn't Anthony Davis. It was someone where you just said, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Another th- corner three left side by Rudy Hachimura. Really, he's going to make that. So again. Total team effort, playing with Davis at center, 
going small ball when he was uh, out of the lineup. Now, yes, Brandon Clark out for the season with Achilles for Memphis. Steven Adams out uh, probably for the series with a knee injury, so Memphis couldn't exploit the small ball premise, uh, but the Lakers out-rebounded them at home, 45-34, including 10 offensive rebounds, and the Lakers shot 55% from the field, so it was just a, uh, it was uh, it was a, a, a shocking performance, not so much in the fact that the Lakers won game one, but just, again, you if, if I was going to say the Lakers were going to win game one, 128-112, you were going to say, damn, yeah, this is going to be a situation where AD, and LeBron were going to carry him. Not the case. Not the case. So um, this is, and, and probably the most yowser thing when it comes to Memphis is, hey, look, man, you know, I, I can understand if LeBron goes off. I can understand if Anthony Davis goes off. But, man, we, we got our ass kicked. We got our lunch money taken. We got punked. We got made fools of by flipping Austin Reeves and Rudy Hachimura. And now, tomorrow, going into game two without John Morant, what do you do, man? Morant, as you know, suffered a hand injury in the fourth quarter, missed the final five minutes of the game after the game x-rays came back negative. But uh, we, we don't know. We don't know how much time he'll miss, if any. He said that after the game, his status for game two was in jeopardy. I'm quite sure maybe he tried, Maybe he will try to play. But, you know, can, can Memphis win the series with without Morant? Or with a less than healthy Morant, when he didn't play this season, they were seven seven without him. But you know they're, they're not they're not playing. They're, they're, this is playoff basketball right now, and they've just lost home court. So if they're going to win this series, man, Jaron Jack, regardless of if Morant comes back to play or not, if Memphis is going to win this series, Jaron Jackson Jr., hello, it's time for you to be Denzel. It's time for you to be that superstar. It's time for you to be Superman. It's time for you to be the man. You know? Um, he's going to have to come back, and he's going to have to play better. Now, he played well. He presents a mismatch. 31 points. Shot 13 of 21. But guess what? He only had five rebounds. You got to do a little bit better than that. You need to have him on AD a little bit more also. I know you have to protect him because of his propensity to get fouls. But still, man. I mean, th th this is the time. Again, regardless if Morant comes back and plays. If he comes back and play, plays because of that wrist injury, you know that he's not going to be the Morant that we expect him to be. He's just not going to be able to do so. So who's going to be able to pick up that slack? It's got to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Now Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be the man on this team. Have to be having a more efficient game from Desmond Bain. Yeah, you take a look at the stat sheet. Okay, Bain had um, 22 points, five rebounds, led the uh, team with six assists. That's nice. But 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 peel back the onion a little bit more. He was 6 of 18 from the floor. He was 3 for 10 from the three-point line, and he was outplayed by D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. You, you, you can't, that, 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 that can't, that can't happen. And in any way, shape, or form, you, you can't be outplayed by these guys. You can't do it. So for, for Memphis, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because now, we're going to test the metal. Memphis, is Memphis front, front runners? Because they, they sure do talk a tough game, don't they? I mean, they, do, they, they, they have the swag. They have the confidence. You know, they, they have the confidence of a team. You, you would think that they won four or five championships over the last five or six years. 
the way they talk, the way they strut, the way they the, the way they act. I mean, you, you would you would think that this is a situation where champions are facing desperation, this, that, and the other, they'll be fine. But again, I, I'm wondering how much of the effect of damn, we just got beat, not by Durant, excuse me, not by um <clears throat> not by um Anthony Davis, not by LeBron James, again, by Austin Reeves. And Rudy Hachimura. Now, now you could say, well, no, wait a minute, man. There ain't no way. If if you know what? If if Rudy Hachimura is gonna go eleven for uh, fourteen and hit some of the shots that he did, if Austin Reeves is gonna play like that, then yeah, then we probably are in trouble. But my guess is gonna be there ain't no way. There ain't no way. After the adjustments that we've made, there ain't no way. That Hachimura and Reeves is going to play like that again. No, 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 no. But what about now about AD and LeBron? Because we know AD is good for a possibility. Now, I know that he hurt his shoulder, but still, I mean, we, we know that AD is going to be good for a couple of monster games. We know that there's going to be some moments, probably, possibly in the fourth quarter, that LeBron for a five or six minute stretch down the, down, down, down the stretch of a close game can be that guy. LeBron can't be LeBron for the series. LeBron can't be LeBron that we know of for even a game. But LeBron can be LeBron for short bursts and for short stints. And if the game is going to be tied, and LeBron with about four or five minutes to go, LeBron can still be that guy that can take over a game, both from a scoring standpoint and just from a total team standpoint. So I'm interested to see, A, how Memphis bounces back, and B, exactly what what is going to happen if they lose game two. And again, how they lose game two is going to also play into the narrative of are the Memphis Grizzlies going to be in trouble? Because, hey, look, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about this is a young team and blah, 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 and it, it is true. They're a young team. But if they lose, if they lose to L.A., a seventh seed. Don't give me some nonsense about whoa. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the trades that they made at the trade line. No, 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 no. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies, with the team that's constituted as the Grizzlies right now, you cannot lose this series to the Los Angeles Lakers. No, you can't. And if you do, something needs to change. I don't know if it's going to be the coach. I don't know if it's going to be a trade. I don't know what's going to be happening. But for me, and I'm not the owner of the team, but for me. You can't run this back if you lose and say five games to the Lakers in the first round at your Memphis. I don't give a damn about the injury to Moran. I don't care if Moran is going to be out for the rest of the series. You you cannot lose to the Lakers as the number two seed in such meek fashion that they did in game one. Because especially at the end of game one, it showed a lack of heart and it showed a lack of like, wow. It, it showed like they kind of took the soul a little bit. Now, are they going to be able to re- regain it? What's going to be the, what's going to be the response? It's going to be interesting moving forward with uh, with game two. So, yeah, um, Memphis and LA interesting series. Like, I, I know all the Laker fans out there are just sitting there going, "Ooh, you know, parade, and we're going to be the greatest," and all this kind of nonsense. Um, the biggest upset of the weekend, hey man, Milwaukee losing game one to Miami, one thirty, one seventeen again. 
According to uh, ESPN stats and information, the Bucks fell to 5-7 and seven in Game 1 under Mike Bootenholzer. Remember there was a time when Mike Bootenholzer, every time he lost a basketball game, people were talking about this is the last time he's going to get fired and all this kind of nonsense. Winning a championship will kind of quell those type of discussions. Well, he's now 5-7 and seven in Game 1 in the uh, NBA playoffs when the Bucks won the NBA championship in 2021. Remember that? They fell behind 1-0 in, the, in each of the last uh, three rounds of their playoff run, including when they fell behind 2-0 in the, uh, in the NBA uh, Finals against the uh, Suns. In fact, when they lost game, hmm, game three, was it, against Milwaukee, against, um, against the Nets, when the Nets, when the, the, the last incarnation of the Nets that had Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. And they just got blown, blown out. I think it was maybe game two because game three was in Milwaukee and such. But um, I remember one of those games, they got blown out. I mean, that was the best that the Harden, KD, Kyrie trio in Brooklyn ever looked. And people were talking about, yep, this is the end of the season or this is the end of the series. This is going to be a situation where Bolden Holzer is going to get fired and Adina Adina Kupo is either going to go to the Lakers, don't ask me how, or go to uh, Dallas. But they turned it around and they won the series. So based on that history and based on the fact that they won with those players in terms of uh, the, the, the key players, that I don't think that there's too much concern in Milwaukee in terms of, my goodness, we're going to lose. Jimmy Butler had 35 points. Um, the Heat losing Tyler Hero, that's going to be big for him. This thing was a situation where, hey, look, man, the, the Heat got up. Milwaukee took about five or six minutes to finally get into uh, playoff uh, playing mode, and they were never never able to uh, catch up. So this is going to be a, a situation where game two is going to be important tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that series. New York, again, their series tied with Cleveland. New York won game one, 101-97. Josh Hart scored 17 points, grabbed 10 rebounds and 33 minutes off the bench, hit the biggest shot of the night, a three-pointer with a minute 49 left to go in regulation. Um, from what I saw on this game, much, much, much better performance from Darius Garland. Look, man, Donovan Mitchell, who leads the league in bad shots taken, in hero shots taken, I don't know how many threes he shot tonight, but against the uh, Knicks in game one, he had 16. 16 three-point shots. No, that's not Mitchell's game. Now, I know, again, hero shooting is his game, and when he's on, I mean, he can give you spectacular performance. Look at the bubble in the um, in the games, in the playoff games that he had against uh, Jamal Murray when he was with Utah playing against Dallas. Excuse me, playing against Denver. When he's hitting them, he's fantastic. But when he's not, he's a detriment because he really doesn't bring you anything else. He's not going to play any defense, speaking of Mitchell. He's not going to be a facilitator. Darius Garland needs to take some of the pressure off this guy. Um, Evan Mobley, don't don't think he's there just yet to be that third guy that can be uh, someone of, of consequence. Not yet. But for the... And they, and they blew out the Knicks tonight, but... Um, for them to move forward, um, yeah, they're going to have to get a better, they're going to have to get more of a consistent performance from Darius Garland and tonight that they did. So um, we got some games that I want to talk about before we get out of here, man. We got the Lakers, we got the Clippers, the most entertaining series, Sacramento and Golden State. The the stomp 
heard around the world, or at least in Sacramento. Good gracious, goodness gracious. And then games that are going according to plan, Boston, Denver, and Philadelphia, those teams. So, woo, man, a lot of good stuff in the uh, NBA playoffs, the first round. But, man, this Clippers and this Phoenix series is getting hot, is getting bothered, is getting juicy. And Westbrook, when he's not threatening to go up to the stands and start beating up on people who are talking bad about his name and his wife and his kids, rightfully so, rightfully so. I mean, these cowards, these fucking bitches, these fucking punks who want to sit there and talk shit to uh, Westbrook and say some uh, pretty disgusting and horrible things. You bitches ain't going to say that shit to his face, so why are you fucking going to say it when you don't think he's going to do anything? You fucking cowards. You fucking losers. You fucking clowns. It's like, yeah, Russell, beat the shit out of that motherfucker. Beat the shit out of beat, beat the shit out of him in front of these kids. Hey, kids, good learning lesson. When you talk shit to somebody and you can't back it up, then guess what? You deserve to get your ass whipped. So too bad Russell didn't go in there and do what he needed to do. Of course, he would be in jail by now, but it's too bad he didn't do what he needed to do. Some of these fans, some of these Karens, some of these jackasses, some of these ass clowns need to get their ass whooped in front of their spouses and their kids. But enough about that. I'm going to be talking about Clippers, going to be talking about Phoenix, all of them things. Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Clippers and the Phoenix Suns game is uh, now starting. Ooh, game one was fire, wasn't it? Kawhi Leonard, I guess, is officially back, right? The Kawhi Leonard, the dominant uh, Kawhi Leonard. I know that we saw it. During the regular season, especially down the stretch. But um, performance in game one, 34 points. Um, playing without Paul George, by the way, the Clippers look good. And Russell Westbrook, three for, <laughs> three for 19 from the field. Bad. But his overall impact of the game, they don't win that game without Russell Westbrook. Uh, you don't. Now, you, you can maybe make an argument saying, well, you know, uh, maybe Terrence Mann could have shot a little bit better or, or something like that. But uh, the way that the Westbrook played down the stretch is rebounding his defense, especially near the end against Devin Booker. They don't win that game without uh, Russell Westbrook. So with the best three for 19 um, that you'll ever see. Now, do we want to have those type of games uh, moving forward? Uh, no. Uh, we would like Westbrook maybe not to shoot 19 times, maybe calm it down from the uh, three-point line. But, uh, you know, with Paul George out, um, Westbrook, the guy who – 
was going to uh, be that guy that was going to, uh, you know, kind of facilitate and be the guy that was going to do some good things for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and not be that guy to take over so much of the responsibility on offense. Um, when he first was acquired by the Clippers from the uh, waiver wire, I mean, it was a situation where you wouldn't want him shooting 19 times, you would think. Uh, because 3 for 19 was going to be something to where, you know, that was probably what was going to happen. But the overall impact of the game just by Russell Westbrook playing like Russell Westbrook in terms of the ball to the wall, hard as he can. And uh, he has his flaws and he has those type of things, man. But one thing that you can never um, criticize Russell Westbrook for is being a guy who ain't going to give it everything that he's got. Now, how much of a personal vendetta does he still have against uh, Kevin Durant and how much of that play into the series? Hey, look, man, there's been both of those guys have been down several roads and uh, have been, you know, has other beefs with other folks ever since uh, those two played together. You know, KD has won a championship. He's played with two other teams, with Golden State and Brooklyn. I mean, Russell Westbrook has gone from Oklahoma City to the Washington Wizards to uh, the Houston Rockets or to the Houston Rockets to the Washington Wizards to... Um, the Los Angeles Lakers. So, I mean, if, if you really wanted to say Russell Westbrook has personal beef with somebody, I mean, he could have it with James Harden. He could have it with uh, LeBron James. He could have it with Anthony Davis. He could have it with Darvin Ham. He could have it with, um, he could have it with um, the, the, um, the coach last year for the Lakers whose team I'm blanking on. And I want to say Flip Saunders, but I know it ain't Flip Saunders because he looks just like Flip Saunders. And I don't know, in about 45 minutes, I'll remember his name, not Hamlin, Frank, I don't know. But uh, basically, um, you know, so Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant, I mean, that's kind of like water under the bridge in terms of, you know, screw you, I'm going to get back at you, I'm going to show you, I still hate you, you know, I still want to kill you, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm more angry at Kyrie Irving than I ever could be at um, – at Russell Westbrook, and if I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm more angry at LeBron James than I would be uh, Kevin Durant at this point in my career. So, uh, you know, that, that that personal ooh, he's going to go out there and play balls to the wall to uh, put it in Durant's face. I, I think it's uh, I think it's nonsense. Like somehow, some way. Russell Westbrook was going to play less aggressive uh, because uh, you know he doesn't have someone to beef with. Uh, that don't don't uh, don't get that, but. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, this is a situation where, look, I mean, for the Suns, I, I mentioned this before uh, with the KD acquisition and to be paired with the quote-unquote big three uh, that they are talking about with um, KD, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. I just don't think that there's enough time. I just don't think that there's enough time, and I just don't think that there's enough depth in that Phoenix rotation um, to make it all the way to the playoffs. Now, they're, they're going to have a battle against the uh, Clippers, especially the way the Kawhi's playing, when you're talking about a guy who has had major success leading teams to an NBA championship with his play. So, I mean, this is a situation, even without Paul George, this is going to be a tough, um, this is going to be a tough series for the Suns. And, I mean, now, now we're speaking about, you don't, what happened to them in game six? In Game Seven, and and really the evidence was starting to show for Phoenix after having a marvelous regular season last season, going into the playoffs, and then you know kind of you know a six game series with 
uh, with New Orleans that shouldn't have been that type. It was it was, it was scrappy. It was tough. It was a lot harder than uh, it should have been. Uh, Devin Booker missed some time and that type of stuff. So, I mean, that that, that was a situation where there was some evidence showing that the that the uh, Phoenix Suns, the team that was up 2-0 in the NBA Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks and then had that great regular season, uh, there, there, there were some flaws in that team that prevented them from really living up to expectations. And Dallas in Game 6 and Game 7 exposed that. And in Game 7, I, I still, we still don't know what happened in terms of Game game 7. We still don't know. that 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 is going to go down. Game 7... Phoenix's loss last season against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. That that's going to go down in the same annals of exactly what happened with LeBron James. Remember his first stint with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, and he basically mailed it in for some reason in Game Six or Game Five against the uh, Boston Celtics when Boston had KD and uh, Ray Allen and those guys, and there was a situation where Delonte West and LeBron's mother was doing something, and there were all you these innuendos and accusations and all this kind of stuff. I mean, in, in, in the annals of sports, Game 6 and Game 7 of the Phoenix-Dallas series, as far as Phoenix is concerned, we, we still exactly don't know what happened. Why did it take Randy Macho Man Savage so long to get into the WWE Hall of Fame? Was it really because he was uh, having sex with Stephanie McMahon when Stephanie was a teenager? Exactly what exactly did happen? I mean, all of these things that we talk about, it's like we, we never really did find out the reason why. We, we might not ever find out the reason exactly what happened to uh, Phoenix in Game 6 and Game 7, especially Game 7 against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I'm interested to see now. Because now, the regular season does not answer those questions. What type of effect does that have? The regular season does not answer that. I don't care if the Suns win 82-0. The playoffs now is where we're going to find out if they are truly over what happened in Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks. And if they go down 2-0 against the underhanded Los Angeles Clippers, what does that mean for the Suns moving forward? It's one thing for them not to make the NBA Finals again because of the lack of time that Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul had to play with each other. But if they lose, say, in five games or six games, it's going to be a major disappointment. And for the last couple of seasons, there's been some major disappointments. Phoenix losing the 2-0 lead to lose four straight in the NBA Finals. Not a major disappointment. Not a blow-up team disappointment, but it was a disappointment. Durant going out like he did last season against the Boston Celtics 4-0. I mean, that was a major disappointment. That was a major, like, fart. That was just a major, like, huh, that's it? Just the air out of the balloon type of thing. So if, so if the Suns go out with a whimper say, in six games against the um, L.A. Clippers. What do we do with the Suns moving forward? I'm not saying that you trade anybody or something like that, but, you know, yeah, you'll have another year for this team to be better and really gel because you'll have an entire season now, a CP3, DeAndre Ayton, um, Chris uh, Chris Paul, CP3, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. But what, what do we do? I mean, what do we do? What do we compensate now for a older Chris Paul? Chris Paul did not have a... His game was solid, 
But as a guy who's supposed to be, quote-unquote, the big three, what did he shoot, like two for nine or something like that? Booker did his part. KD did his part. But, you know, DeAndre Aiden, Aiden shooting more shots than Kevin Durant? That can't happen. I mean, we got to have a situation here. Look, I'm not trying to be the coach. I'm not, I'm not trying to play coach, even though I try to play one on the uh, podcast. But, you know, for Monty Williams, I'm thinking to myself saying, hey, man, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't Kevin Durant be getting more shots than DeAndre Aiden by a lot? Shouldn't, when it comes to shot distribution, that Devin, um, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant should be the ones taking the majority of the shots? Just saying, just asking, just wondering how they're playing and all this type of thing. So we'll, we'll see moving on to a game two. This is an important game, a very important game for the Phoenix Suns moving forward. So, yeah, I'm interested in that. The the um, Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Woo! Lord have mercy. Is that a series or what? Good God almighty. Man, those guys are playing Sacramento. Now, look, I mean, we'll, see a, we'll, we'll know a lot after Game 3 and even Game 4. I won't be able to see Game 3 because I'm going to be watching the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, down at the T-Mobile play in their uh, play in their playoff game. I'm getting free tickets, and because of my job, I kind of have to. Um, but uh, man, Game Three and Game Four is going to say a lot about a Sacramento and b Golden State in this way. Look, man, it was hard fought. It was you know a situation where if you're Phoenix, you say, okay, you know what, we didn't play that well. We turned the ball over. Uh, we did some things that weren't very good, but yet and still, we were still there at the end of the game. We still had our opportunities still. You know, I mean, Malik Bunk in game one, you know, did the thing. De'Aaron Fox uh, did his thing uh, in game two. But, uh, you know, there's some things that we saw that we could clean up that when we go back home, you know, that our, our role players that don't play that well on the road, they're going to play better at home. Andrew Wiggins is going to still get his sea legs under him and play better. I mean, Steph and Clay are still Steph and Clay. Draymond, I, I don't, I don't, if Draymond is not suspended for game three after he basically, uh, Daniel Bryanson, the, um, uh, sub bonus with the, uh, with the foot stomp, I, I don't know how you don't suspend this guy for one game because that was pretty vicious. Yeah, I know DeMontis held his leg and everything, but uh, that stomp was pretty vicious. So when anything that is, uh, you know, that flagrant, I don't know how you don't suspend them, but we'll see. But for me, the tall tale sign is going to be how well does Sacramento play on the road against defending NBA champions with their backs against the wall down 2-0. Because even in this series, I think that, just say for instance, Sacramento wins game three, I think that the I think that the Warriors are still confident enough to be like, it's okay, 3-0, we still got this, don't worry about it, we're, 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 we ain't dead yet. You know, we're still going to be able to do some things. So it'll be interested to see the mindset. But if Sacramento can come out, win game three, or play really, really well against Golden State, it's going to tell us a lot about Sacramento and what they are as a basketball team because I still think that Sacramento is not getting the respect that they deserved. The way they won, the way, the way... The cr- look, I shouldn't say the crowd because the crowd ain't out there down, down there playing. I, I always look for um, the reactions to a team like a Sacramento playing against Golden State uh, in a situation where are they excited to win a game like they did in games one and two, or are they expecting to win a game like they did in games one and two? If they were jumping around and doing a lot of crazy stuff, this, that, and the other, I'd be like, man, I don't know about this. Because, you know, if Golden State can play just a little bit better, they can steal a game on the road and 
Sacramento hasn't shown that they can win a playoff game on the road just yet. So what's going to be happening when they go to Golden State? Now, the, the body language, the attitude that Sacramento showed, it was something to where, yeah, we expected to win this game. So if you're a Sacramento fan, that kind of gives me some uh, that kind of gives me some some hope if, if if I'm one of those fans that they're going to perform well on the road. But uh, you know, Golden State, Steph, Clay, Coach Kerr, and all the you know they're champions for a reason. So Game Three is going to be really really interesting. I thought that Andrew Wiggins played much better than I thought that he would. Uh, Moses Moody. Uh, gave them some really good uh, minutes. I thought Gary Payton, uh, uh, Gary Payton's kid, uh, did very well. Hit some corner threes uh, again, just to uh, just to clean up some of those uh, turnovers. I think uh, Sabonis, if you could ever use your right hand, young man, I mean, you're 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 going to get to the left side for the uh, left-handed shot off glass close uh, by any means necessary. Spin back to the right. I mean, the the Warriors are giving you the whole right side when you start to make your move to the left side. Drop step, reverse step. I mean, mean, the the layup is right there for you, or the short jump hook with the right hand is right there for you. I think from a offensive standpoint, I think Sabonis needs to play a little bit better. I think his toughness, I think his rebounding has been uh, critical, but going on the road now, they're going to need him to uh, score some some interior points and um, be able to do that for them. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a series where, man, what's going to be the residual effect of those two teams beating up on each other, especially if Denver is playing the way that they're playing in game one. Now, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward, but Denver looked very impressive. Boston looked very impressive. Philadelphia, lackadaisical, but still got by Brooklyn in a series that they should win either 4-0 or a gentleman's sweep. All right, I am done. I am out of here. It's time for me to watch a little Clippers. Time for me to watch a little Los Angeles Clippers and some uh, Phoenix Suns. I want to thank you so much for uh, listening to the program. Enjoy. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed what you were listening to. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, do all those type of things. Hey, man, as I get on out of here, as I always say to you, can we please try to do what we need to do to make this place a better place to be? Can we listen to other folks who don't look like us, who have different skin tones, who are different genders, different uh, political backgrounds, different uh, uh, political beliefs and, and, and gods that they worship? Can, can we can we talk to somebody? Can we listen to somebody? Can we learn from somebody who's not like us? Five, ten minutes, maybe get out of our comfort zone and have a conversation that might be a little bit something that's not normal and then take that take those lessons, take that knowledge and pass it along, be uh, be good for uh, your kids, be good for your wife, be good for your husband, be good for your homeboy, be good for your homegirls, all those things. If we could do that, man, that would be awesome. So please go ahead and do that. Please do what we need to do to uh, make this world a better place to be. Because if you don't, man, you're going to make me angry. You're going to make me very angry. And as I leave this program, I want to tell you this one more time. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Music. <laughs>